Hello, and welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon Framework, Axon Server, and their ecosystem. I am your host and a software developer at Axonic, Sarah Tori. In this episode, I spoke with Simon Zambrowski and Jan Gelinski of the Hamburg-based consulting firm, Holisticon. We discussed the Avro Axon Serializer that they have been working on for the past year. They talked about the advantages of using this serializer over Extreme or Jackson serializers. This was a very informative and interesting conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Let's have a listen. Hi, Simon. Hi, Jan. How are you both today? Um, we used to be neighbors, but now we're kind of thousands of miles away. <laughs> so anyways, how are you and where are you? Um, Jan, yeah, if you'd like to start. Yeah, sure. Love to. Um, my name is Jan Galinski. I'm an IT consultant slash developer slash architect, whatever. And I work uh, for Holisticon IT consultancy in Hamburg, Germany. And I'm sitting here with Simon. Awesome. Hello. My name is Simon Zabrowski. And uh, yeah, it's uh, always uh, good to be uh, secondly introduced after Jan because uh, we share uh, the same city, the same country, the same uh, company we work for, and actually awesome. we are doing very similar things. So I'm also IT consulting, doing backend development mostly mm-hmm. in the Java and wonderful Axon world. Awesome, and it's so wonderful to have you both back. And I'm really excited to talk about this uh, topic that's actually a bit new to me. So I'm really excited to learn more about it and um, talk about it. So today we're talking about Axon Avro Serializer. Um, Let's let's start by just jumping right into it, I guess. <laughs> so mm-hmm. what we have these three buzzwords, Axon, Avro, serialization, all of these uh, really wonderful topics that we want to go through. Um, so maybe let's start with um, serialization, first of all. Why is it important? Why, why do we want to serialize things? Can you can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah, let me let me um, try to, to answer your question. So, in, <laughs> in general speaking, in, in computer systems, serialization is is kind of a process of conversion of data from in memory to to a serial stream. That's that's why the name serialization. And usually, you do this if you want to write data on some storage. Um, and the deserialization, very long work, and most. Uh, computer programs uh, try to correct them because it's kind of uh, evil. Uh, yeah, and so it's an inverse, right? So take the serial stream and construct the memory representation back. And uh, this is a very interesting uh, subject if we speak about event sourcing, uh, where right. all the data that we store is actually uh, the serialized version of our events. And uh, the events uh, sourcing is usually um, uh, yeah, introduce a concept of event store, so a place where all the events are stored. And in order to write the events to the event store, you need to serialize them. And in order to read them, you need to deserialize them. So this is how this uh, actually this concept works, why it's relevant for Axon framework for, for event sourcing systems and so on. And um, yeah, the interesting part about the Axon framework is that it is um, a very interesting uh, way how serializers are implemented. So there is okay. a plugin mechanism to uh, to to provide different implementation for serialization. Mm-hmm. And the it's important to know that Axon framework is a generic framework. It doesn't know 
the semantics of the event that is storing, right? right? Yeah. And um, so it provides you, it provides a way to say, uh, okay, I can, I can decide how this serialization, deserialization takes place. All on right. one hand, on the other hand, you can choose this. This decision is independent from your event store. So Absolutely. after this process happens, you can decide where actually the physical storage takes place. So it can mm -hmm. be a GPA event store or a Mongo event store, or if you have an Exxon server, of course, you're using Exxon server as the event store. Yeah, so independent, independent what store you're using, you need to serialize and deserialize stuff. Yeah, and I know that in Axon Framework, we use the um, Extreme Serializer and Jackson Serializer. So can you uh, describe those a little bit in, into more detail? Uh, yeah, and as a part of the framework, you have actually two uh, serializers already provided. So you just have to, to activate or to choose one of them. There is a default, which is Extreme, um, which uh, will serialize all your events into an XML data and then this will be written to uh, to some storage. Nice. Um, the advantage of this is that you can uh, extreme is very um, kind of easy to use. It's very verbose. Yeah, it is. It is But but the advantage is it can serialize almost arbitrary Java objects and Java mm -hmm. structures. Correct. Correct. So it, there is almost no restrictions what it can do. It it mm -hmm. looks uh, not very nice if you look on the serialized data, but it is very universal in the in the usage in the application. Mm -hmm. And uh, this has some side effects. So it can happen that some artifacts from your Java ecosystem will end up written down in some strings inside of this XML. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you're doing something like refactoring, changing something, this uh, can cause a problem actually. Right. And the second one is, as you mentioned, it's Jackson. It's a well-known framework for um, serialization uh, between especially uh, Java and JSON. And uh, it's, it's, it's an independent product, right? So, so it's an open source library, uh, pretty large, pretty complex. You can do uh, wonderful things with that. Yeah, um, very popular. And <laughs> right. Very popular, actually, also. And JSON is, of course, uh, much less verbose than XML. Uh, but you have some limitations uh, in in a kind uh, or in a way how Jackson is actually used uh, mostly. So if mm -hmm. you if you need to tweak up your serialization, it's usually a setup on your Jackson configuration. So that means that uh, just saying you know I'm using Jackson is uh, is saying something. You will know that okay there will be probably Jason coming out. But actually, you don't know what kind of JSON will come out because you can configure it a lot. And uh, so, to, to tell you to tell you a joke, in uh, if we have some uh, problems with serialization uh, issues, you know, we have a prepared um, JUnit test that just uh, you just copy it from one project to another. It's the same test, and it takes mm -hmm. any kind of combination of different data types and just write it down to to JSON and then convert it back to the Java object. And then you can tweak the, the options to say uh, how I would like to represent local uh, date or offset date time or whatever. And, uh, you know, and this is the same test for any kind of application. You can apply it in every project uh, in order to yeah. make sure that it is really tuned up in a way you want. Absolutely. So if we speak, yeah, so if we speak about something like, you know, persisting events forever, uh, this configuration is becoming very important, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so but I think at uh, the same time with with Jason, the one of the um, the downsides of Jason is that it's uh, it's very repetitive, isn't it? So when when you want to store a lot of data, um, it can take up a bunch of your CPU, right? So that that could be one of the downsides of just of Jason. Um, so. Yeah. With all of that, so we we have some really great benefits with both uh, the extreme serializer and also Jackson. Uh, but then you decided to use Avro. So Jan, why did you decide on using Avro? What was the sort of deciding point that you said, okay, neither um, XML, for example, or JSON is working out. So let's let's figure out a new way. And Avro has, even though it's a new topic to me personally, it's been around for a really long time, right? So it tell me a little been, bit about yeah. it. Yeah. It has been, but I wasn't aware of. So uh, you make it sound far more planned or, or motivated than it actually was. Um, right. There is this there's this mythical article uh, that I couldn't find uh, when I prepared uh, for this podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. Was it was I don't know four or five years ago when I started working with uh, with Axon. I had, I read everything I could get my hands on every documentation, every all articles. And there was this one article about civilization that said uh, the default is XML uh, extreme. In mm -hmm. production, you probably want, would want to use Jackson, but Avro would be better. Something like this. Oh, okay. we, we couldn't find it again. Simon said it may be in a webinar from, from Alad. We don't know. But yeah. this planted a seed in my head yeah, some years ago. And I said, if yeah. this is better, then why don't Let's we explore. use it? Yeah. I had right. some discussion. Yeah. I had some discussions with with a lot a while ago, where he said he tried it and he didn't really like it. And so, yeah. But this year was what the year where we said, okay, let's just explore and give it a try. And I just started like right. you. I had, I had no idea. I, I heard the word before, yeah. Yeah. but uh, uh, the question for me was, what is Afro actually? So the first thing, <clears throat> the first thing uh, you might wonder is, 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 it's not an acronym. I checked this. I didn't find any good explanation. It's just, it's an just the name. They use a logo from a from a from a, a old uh, British um, um, uh, plane okay. factory. Uh -huh. So yeah. there was a plane factory called. Uh, maybe they want to fly. I don't know. Uh, but um, yeah, as you said, it's been around for for a decade now. It's uh, been invented by by clever minds uh, uh, around mm -hmm. this Hadoop yeah. ecosystem. So um, I believe uh, that people uh, know how to build uh, um, really um, performant uh, serialization frameworks. And basically, Avro is the serialization and deserialization format, like JSON XML, but also it's, uh, of course, uh, a tool set and a framework, mm -hmm. open source. Uh, and it's currently um, invented in the Hadoop space, but it's now a standalone uh, open source uh, Project and had up, yeah, Apache. I was going to say it's it's now owned by um, or maybe it was owned by Apache in the past too. I don't know, but it's it's currently part of the um, Apache software library. I guess it's a framework. Um, since you did mention Hadoop, um, yep. can you give me a little bit more um, explanation of what it is and what it's for? It's a framework for distributed processing. Uh, no? So it's a it's especially it's a clustering framework with this uh, nice elephant, uh, uh, right? So and they, what they do is uh, actually if you if you have some something like you know problems that can be deduced to something like MapReduce, which you want to run in a huge cluster, when you say okay, I can divide 
my problem into small parts, then distribute it over a large computational power, and then again combine the solution together, then you'll probably install something like a Hadoop cluster with 200 nodes or so. So this is, they are doing large distribution computing platform. Yeah. And what Simon was mentioning regarding the elephant, there's like the logo has an elephant on top. So it wasn't a metaphoric thing. It's like a literal, literal elephant on top. It looks like Dumbo, but it's like a little elephant on top, which, which is what it is. So Simon, sorry, we, we uh, interrupted your explanation. So going back to Avru. So yeah, let's uh, continue. So this is... Uh, yeah, so... Yeah. The, um, so I was sitting there and I knew nothing about Avro, so I, I checked. And uh, um, yeah. the what separates uh, or the distinguishes uh, Avro from 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 uh, the basic XML and JSON formats uh, um, uh, Simon mentioned before is that uh, Avro is a schema-based uh, description language. So you have the schema-first approach. So instead of um, writing POJO data classes and using some serializer to, to get text, um, I define mm -hmm. the structure of my event first. In This is a JSON dialect I use uh, to describe the schema. And this schema um, has a great benefit that uh, to share the information, what this event looks like, I just have to share the schema um, with other systems or other teams because I can use uh, code uh, generators to generate my, my POJO classes that I actually use with uh, the Axon framework uh, to interact. Um, what's also a really cool feature from, uh, from the Axon serialization is that it supports JSON, so you can actually just have an AFO schema-based uh, object and just write it down to JSON. Works fine, but then you right. lose most mm -hmm. of the benefits. Um, what uh, makes it really interesting for, for event sourcing and event processing um, is that they have a binary, binary um, representation. So they can really, really right. shrink it down. You use all this human readable. Yeah, The claim of XML and JSON is human readable, but uh, mm -hmm. you can really yeah. store it down. And to be fair, if you look, for example, in the append-only data structure of the Axon server, there's nothing human readable uh, anymore uh, anyway. So uh, it's just a, yeah. a byte array dump that you write mm -hmm. out. So this mm -hmm. is a, um, a really cool feature when you think of... Uh, um, having this verbose uh, XML compared to some small binary storage if you keep it million, millions uh, of events for years from, from right. now. Um, and another thing that is really important, uh, speaking of uh, storing events uh, over multiple years, um, the schema uh, in Avro um, have a compatibility um, matrix or, or behavior. So it's just it's not, I try to deserialize some, some stored JSON string and I get a null pointer exception because a field is missing. I can analyze the structure of the schema and then decide what to do based on these uh, effects, which uh, at least uh, um, we expect to be uh, very beneficial for um, um, event mm -hmm. storage and especially upcasting of, of events. Right. So going back a little bit, um, Jan, we talked about the these schemas and that um, it's fairly easy to create these schemas and um, go from there. 
do we create this? Where do we create these schemas? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Schema schema first means that um, we just create a schema up front, so it's uh, certainly de mm -hmm. developer mm -hmm. task, just like you would write. So is it just kind of like you would with a Java class, for instance? Exactly. Yeah. So normally when I work with it, okay. I have, okay. have my IDE and I have my editor and I start writing mm -hmm. a schema. There's a tool support for, for mm -hmm. the uh, IDEs sure. and, and everything. Um, so this is just a gotcha. schema. So and you, you can just read right. the schema into the Afro uh, framework and um, start mm -hmm. working with it. Um, right. But since Axon will require um, Java classes to work, so I, I, I mm -hmm. cannot write an yeah. uh, add event handler on my projection and just expect some some byte array. This the routing won't work. So what we what we use is um, in our case now a Maven plugin, but there's also uh, tools for for Gradle. We use code generation, so we use this condensed JSON schema information, and we get some Pojo class with builder and everything included. Uh, and we work with that from, from there on, yeah. Nice, nice, very good. Um, so you did talk about um, sort of starting with Avro and, uh, and so on. When and why should we use Avro and what is the benefit? Um, I think I mentioned a few topics already. So yeah. the one one key feature is um, distribution. So this is what mm -hmm. we discussed, uh, uh, Simon and some colleagues, uh, uh, all the time. There's no no best solution so far. Yeah. I have this one system that that is keeping the aggregate and is responsible for the context and the events. And I have another system that. Um, also consumes events. So, and if I do the regular approach, uh, which just uh, writing a POJO class and putting my add revision and add target identifier annotations on it, I have to share this, the whole class with this other app or team. And right. um, I have to version it. So this is now my 1.0.1 version of the event library for my bank account application. Um, I don't have this because I just have one JSON file describing uh, the layout of the of the event, mm -hmm. and I share this. Um, of course, now the, the the question is how do I share it? Yeah, I can yeah. just send it you uh, via email, but this is uh, boring. So uh, normally, I would use um, some kind of registry, so some central component where I can um, um, read schema and then use it in my in my project. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, one uh, additional thing to note is that if you're sharing a schema or if you if you think of a schema, this is your primary artifact, right? So if you yeah. if you design a, a Java Java object that is being serialized, so what it, what happens in the end is you write a Java class, then you have a serialization framework of your choice with configuration of your choice, and in the end you get a serialized image of bytes. Okay, so. Right something. Then you can analyze this something. And on the other side, on the consuming side of this event, you need to match with your structure and with the, again, serialization or deserialization framework of your choice and configuration of it. Uh, so uh, you need to match it in order to be able to read it. Okay. So in terms of a mental model, you're not, you're not communicating what you're actually sending over the wire or what is stored, but you are, you know, you're kind of uh, doing something in Java world, then it gets some representation. You can tweak and control it. 
and then you go back. Okay, so and uh, there are no many, many choices what to do here, right? So in the in the end, you end up in a shared library, which you definitely don't want if you if we speak about you know loosely coupled systems and microservices, and you know you run it, you build it. So you don't want to communicate a shared library, okay? So you want yeah. to communicate the idea of the structure, what is being serialized, and this is the the advantage of this schema-first approach. So you you go mu much more on the primary artifact and less on how it's implemented my current system. That makes sense. So yeah, that makes a lot of the, sense. That's that's the the additional. Yeah, the the schema-first uh, approach that we like to uh, use here absolutely makes sense. And Jan, you mentioned a registry. Uh, so what is a schema registry? Yeah, it <clears throat> should explain uh, that I, I think uh, when I talked about the binary format, I missed a really important point. So you write the schema, you register to, to the Avro uh, framework, mm -hmm. and the Avro framework then can uh, calculate a unique ID for the schema. Gotcha. So basically, it's a hash. Ah, so you okay. just take. So whenever you change something, the, the this ID changes, mm -hmm. and um, the this binary format, a single object encoded uh, to to use a real name, um, has an internal uh, defined structure where this um, schema ID, this hash of fingerprint. Mm -hmm. uh, is included. So my serialized uh, data includes a pointer to a schema from which it derived. So um, this is why for working with, um, with this binary format, I need a registry because at the moment I, I have this byte array and I want to read my bank account created event uh, from it. I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. So I... I, I extract this ID from 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 the binary code, just reading some, I don't know, eight bytes number, okay. and then I need some central service where I can say, please give me the schema for this ID. And this is a schema schema registry, um, which, to be fair, is an additional component. But um, if you think of uh, a namespace schema for for XML, you also have. Uh, resource locators and, and the headers saying that this namespace can be uh, read from some URL. So this is mm -hmm. not not really uh, completely new or makes Afro less elegant or something. It's right. just uh, a necessity in this case. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, if you look look on the market today, um, schema registry really is, is a simple simple application, right? I mean, right. I, I told you, the schema is JSON and you have an ID to identify it. So so it's mm -hmm. a, the, the, the lookup is, is a basic get operation. You can just write it in, a, I don't know, two or three lines of code. Um, okay. But managing the schema, keeping track of the compatibilities, uh, um, keeping revisions and everything. Um, we have tools for this. Um, the, I think the most prominent today um, is the Confluence Schema Registry. So um, the Confluent Kafka ecosystem uses uh, Avro a lot, and uh, they have a schema registry mm -hmm. um, for basically for license, license, uh, licensing reasons. Uh, right. We started working working with the Apicurio. It's a product from from Red Hat, uh, which yeah. is also usable. Um, but we plan to support more uh, registries in the future. Absolutely. And um, I think in one of the uh, sort of uh, preparatory uh, talks that we had prior to, uh, to, uh, to our 
recording session today, we you did mention that a registry um, you can register your schemas and also query for these schemas, and that's I think um, an important point because we are not just sort of uh, pushing in the data, but we're also getting that data. We want to query that data, so this registry is uh, basically the tool I think right to help query for um, for the data that you have. Am I understanding exactly. that correctly? That's that's true, and um, yeah, what a bit the downside was when, when we worked on this is that the, the Avro serialization format itself is specified, so you can read how every byte should look and everything, but if you provide a registry and how you provide a registry is totally up to you, so there is no um, common JSR schema registry interface you just implement, and this uh, is something that... Uh, yeah, really, really uh, keeps us uh, working at the moment yeah. because uh, you have we have uh, um, come up with some adapter library. So we decided that all these different aspects do not belong in the Axon serialization extension. We have a separate uh, library where we uh, go on and uh, one after the other will implement uh, the uh, proprietary API from right. different vendors. So you currently are busy doing the your Avro registry adapter because this is something that is really independent of Axon framework. Exactly. Yeah, gotcha. So, um, and you did mention that um, the registries that are supported, you um, mentioned that you're currently working with Epicurio, but we you want to kind of um, have support of other registries as well, like Confluent and um, other um libraries as yeah, well just right? just 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 uh, um from 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 um how how the registries are used on the market i think uh, confluent would be really great to beneficial achieve. to have yeah absolutely yeah, be because uh, i mean if you use this confluent stack and you already have a registry it's really hard to say now you can use avro serialization with axon but not with the registry you already uh, are running, so uh, right. So then that that uh, causes additional work for um, folks that are using it. And yeah, um, yeah Simon, go ahead. Uh, yeah, in addition, uh, I mean there are also some other ecosystems, right? The Confluent is is kind of you know this uh, Kafka Kafka ecosystem world that uh, right. I just uh, read uh, several days ago. I was looking on Azure Event Hubs, which is a kind of messaging inside of Azure Cloud directly. And for example, they also have a registry, so we can. And this is the this is the idea to separate this. Actually, the implementation of these adapters from the actual Exxon Avro serializer, and to make it pluggable there. To say so, if you come up with your registry of your choice, um, or I don't know your ecosystem, then you can just plug it in, and then still use it. I mean, it was important for us to, yeah. to define that there is something like a registry interface, so how we expect the registry to behave. And now we can build any number of implementation for that. Yeah, that's really cool. It's really exciting. So I'm really looking forward to it. Now, um, how does the Avro Axon serializ Serializer work then? Very good. Uh, yeah, let me jump in there. I'm assuming because you created it, so it better work really well. <laughs> um, yeah, as Jan already said, so so you have this uh, this uh, special format, uh, which is uh, uh, this is um, uh, single object encoded, uh, so containing the schema ID for the lookups, 
And so in essence, it's a kind of a reference to the schema and we use the schema registry to look it up. So that means, of course, that uh, the schema needs to be present there. Uh, so you can go back to this enterprise-wide uh, one installation of a schema registry where all the events uh, schemas are, of course, provided. At least if you need this global scope or you say, okay, my microservice scenario, I have several schemas and bound my different contexts have, um, have places to look up uh, what is stored where. So if we uh, serialize an event, uh, so we need this uh, schema ID to be written inside of the data, right? Because mm -hmm. we, we actually, uh, we, we have the payload as an in-memory representation. So we have a Java class. And now we say, now put it please inside of uh, the, this byte array. And of course, this information gets in. Uh, so if we, uh, so we read the schema ID uh, and then, uh, yeah, basically uh, write it down to the payload. Then the message is sent over on the deserialization side. We make the inverse. So we look up this ID and use it, right? So uh, the interesting part is, um, um, so Jan already mentioned that we we actually separated this uh, uh, this uh, this code base in in two libraries. So we have the okay. Avro specific library and the more Axon specific library. Okay. And in on the on this Avro library, we actually provide uh, decoders and encoders between different uh, different formats. So in if we just for for short, forget about Axon serialization. So what oh, we need to no. do is we have a Java class. <laughs> <laughs> but, so you have a you have a you have a generated event, right? So you you, you wrote down a schema, and this is an axon event, okay? Mm -hmm. And this is a a pojo finally, right? And you right. have this pojo in the hand, and then you want to say, okay, now write it down to a byte stream. So, and what we did is we created a converter doing this, especially working with external registry you can provide. Right. And the deserialization is, is an inverse approach. So you have a byte stream and then you say, okay, I would like to get the event out of it, which is again, part of my application, a Java class. So uh, using the schema registry. So the process of the serialization is pretty straightforward because we have a Java class, which is, you know, the most verbose stuff that we can have. We have the reference to the schema there. It's all, anything is connected. Right. So we just write it down using this, this converter to a byte stream and then the framework takes, uh, takes over and uh, stores. The deserialization is a little bit more tricky mm -hmm. uh, because what we have at place is, is a, uh, is a binary written by some other application. But this byte array in some place contains this information to the schema ID, right? Yeah. So what we do is we look up the schema ID and what we get back from the registry, hopefully, is a schema, but it's a writer schema, right? It's not the reader schema. Mm -hmm. So that's the schema of the guy who wrote down this event. So the next step is that we need to determine what is the matching reader schema for that. Okay. And we... We, we assume, as, as Jan said in the beginning, uh, uh, there is a, this process of generation, right? So there is some, some logic how, starting from a namespace and a name uh, of the schema, you get a Java class. So we try to find a matching Java class for this schema. Mm -hmm. And if we get that, so 
So if it isn't your class pass, hopefully, because you need to have it actually in order to read the event, right? Uh, then uh, what's come in is now we have the writer schema. This is the one the binary was written with, mm -hmm. and now we have the reader schema. This is what we want to try to to read it with, right? right which has to target the, now this is, the writer. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so now the, the power of Avro is to say, look, now before we just trying to do this, we can compare the schemas and check if they're compatible, actually. Mm -hmm. So maybe we, on the reader side, have an older version of the schema, and this is actually not possible to read it, for right. example, right? So, but we can, I mean, there is there is a chance to do so. It's it's mm -hmm. um, We will speak maybe a little bit later in this, in this if we speak about upcasters. Yeah, because we we Which I'm planning that, on. that's the first place. Yeah, but that's the first the first time you have the chance actually uh, to do so, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Because having XML, uh, you you can try to deserialize, and if it works, it works, and if not, you have an exception, right? So right. there is no pre-check or something. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So for the serializer itself, I mean, um, as we said already in the beginning, the serializer is actually um, an interface provided by the Action Framework mm -hmm. in order to enable this pluggable mechanism. And um, uh, so internally, uh, additional to the serializer, there are also accent converter, type converter, which are mm -hmm. responsible for generic conversion of data, actually. So right. something like uh, make me a byte array out of string or make me an XML node out of, uh, out of string and so on. So this is uh, usually used together. Mm -hmm. But in the end, if if the framework says, okay, I would like to get the type T from you as an object in Java, then that's work the responsibility of Serializer to do so. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we are using our uh, byte to single object encoder and uh, single object to byte decoder, uh, no, another way around, uh, to um, uh, actually to, uh, to implement the Serializer. Um, and this serializing the serialization of events is not only the the payload, but we also have something which is called metadata, which also mm -hmm. needs to be serialized, deserialized. And of course, uh, we also we were also working on that. And uh, yeah, an interesting thing that we observed that uh, actually because Axon Axon provided these two implementations. Mm -hmm. There, there is, uh, as Jan said, there is, you know, there is a payload and there is an envelope, and there are yeah. some some types in Axon Framework uh, uh, involved in the serialization process. Especially, you have something which is called serialized object and serialized mm -hmm. type, which which is all required because there are frameworks like Extreme and and Jackson actually right. out there. Uh, and we noticed that uh, since Avro contains this information inside of binary data, so mm -hmm. the schema information is part of the binary data. We actually don't really need these, uh, you know, these envelope objects. So we, I mean, we are passing them around because the framework wants us to do so. Yeah. But uh, essentially, the information uh, can be solely retrieved uh, from the schema information inside of it. And that's because, so that's and, and of, for, uh, right, and for that, it, it actually saves a lot of space, right? It's one of the things that is beneficial about it too, right? Because you don't, the schema itself yeah, is yeah, really but I mean, not I mean, the, serialized format and so forth. Yeah, so this is uh, so in order to use it. I mean, you if you if you are just a user of the serializer, you you don't uh, it doesn't matter actually how how mm -hmm. uh, it works internally. So what you do is just activate that, 
um, then it just starts working. In order to work, is, as we said previously, you, you require to configure uh, the registry. Mm -hmm. So then it needs to know where to look up schemas um, and, uh, uh, yeah, so how, how to, to, to read and to write data. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you also need some way how these schemas get registered there in this registry, mm -hmm. right? So they need yeah. initially to get there. And there are different ways to do so. So we worked on some of them. Like uh, you can do um, uh, the registration on startup of your application, or you have some integration in your CI/CD uh, uh, pipeline. So basically, if you're generating your classes, you can also say, oh, "I'm also generating, uh, I'm also registering the schemas in the registry," or you can okay. do it manually or whatever. But I, they need somehow to get there, and that's mm -hmm. not part of the serialization. Of course, they just right. need to be present. Yeah. But so as far as yeah. deployment is just. You know, you can do whatever you want. With yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So now this brings me to, um, I think, Jan's favorite topic, which is upcasting. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Simon yeah. mentioned it too. We're highly anticipating this upcasting. <laughs> yeah, of so course, this is a, re a reoccurring uh, topic uh, yeah. because it, nothing to do with, with Avro, it's just the way what we're, we're talking about we, we have an append only store we keep everything for years and right. um the best rule about upcasting is just don't do it yeah so uh, uh cool events never change if my bank account created from five years ago just stays the way it is and i never i don't know repackage my my application anything it just works but um we have to be prepared for 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 the case uh, where we just Miss the critical field, and uh, it's just. Uh, um, I have to version it basically, right? Yeah, then you of course you have this. Uh, uh, the the accent term is uh, revision, so so yeah. I try to stick to the word revision, um, but basically it's versioning. Yeah, so um, you say I had this version one some years ago, and now we added I don't know a custom ID or initial balance to the event, whatever, and we cannot work around it. Um, so you have um, a Java Pojo class today, and the deserializer tries to to match this byte array, which, in case of the the default serializers, is uh, human readable JSON or XML string. Try to match match it to the the class you have today. So the past enters uh, today, and yeah, if this doesn't match because you have a missing non-nullable field or anything. This is where, where you start uh, um, um, considering upcasting. So right. you uh, you have um, in the Axon framework uh, a mechanism to just uh, register. It's a, it's a mapping, right? You have, a, you have a stream of events and you register a mapper that takes an input, uh, modifies it and, and, and gives an output. And you can say uh, this is this upcaster uh, mapping is um, responsible for revision one to revision two for my bank account created. And um, basically what you do is you cannot use your POJO because you, you can only have one version of the class uh, on your class pass. Um, so you will work with intermediate uh, formats. This is uh, JSON node for, for the Jackson uh, world and uh, um, document. Uh, it's uh, yeah, some W3C document uh, stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and what you basically do is you have to know the difference 
So you have to 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 understand what the problem is, and then you, in this intermediate uh, format, you just add nodes. So yeah, you just say, give me this uh, intermediate representation, and I just add a field mm -hmm. which is called I don't know customer ID, and I add a value, and then I'm compliant to to revision two. Mm -hmm. This is uh, and basically yes, yeah, as, as I said, it's inevitable. So you have to do it. Yeah. Sometimes you should try to not do it all the time. So mm -hmm. probably it's best to just uh, uh, publish a, a customer ID edit event uh, afterwards. Or mm -hmm. uh, I discussed with Simon uh, today that he read an article where some uh, really strict um, um, engineer uh, uh, proposed to just use brute force to to copy the whole event store to a new event store where oh, okay. it is fixed once instead of doing upcasting all the time. I see. But yeah, this is uh, this is uh, um, upcasting and um, um, I see your face. I, you now probably wonder as we propagated um, um, the benefits of the binary format, yeah. uh, this highly condensed uh, format. Um, uh, yeah, I can guess your question is, uh, will this still work and uh, how does it work? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Of this is uh, something we, we, we thankfully discussed before. Uh, otherwise, we, we would really have a problem. But turns out it not only works. Uh, we we uh, really see benefits uh, in it. So ju okay. just just short to in the Avro world, um, clever clever uh, guys uh, and guys invented it. So they have an intermediate representation as well. So okay. we talked. The whole time we talked about uh, generating a Java class from a, from a schema definition, this is a, a specific record. So the, the class generated extends from specific records. So this is something you really know. You have the schema, you have the type, this is linked. Perfect. But there is also a, a generic data record, uh -huh. which is basically... Um, for the Avro world, as a, as a string object map would be for the JSON world. So mm -hmm. um, you can just address um, attributes of of your um, uh, event via this intermediate generic uh, representation. So um, when we do so, we we prove that Avro does not fail. Mm -hmm. when it comes to upcasting, yeah. but we don't really gain anything. Yeah, It's still me knowing the difference between revision one and revision two and manually adding a field. And <clears throat> this is um, something, but of course, it's still, um, still required if you have, uh, I don't know, dynamic changes so you have to look up something in a service call and then add the custom id to the of course this is something uh, that you probably won't do in, in upcasting millions event per day uh, looking up uh, rest api to to fill the field but um the afro schema we talked about it this is shortly in the in the beginning um they have the concept of, of schema evolution so they don't really mm -hmm. think of uh, revisions 
as we do in, in, in the uh, Axon event world, right. they think of, I have this schema and I have this schema and I can compare how compatible are they. Mm-hmm. In case in case it's the same with JSON, in case I just added a new field and said it, it, it might be null, uh, nothing happens. It will just be null. Okay. But the great benefit is that I, for fields that are required to be non-null, I actually can define in my new next evolution step of my schema, I can say this has a default value. Gotcha. For, ex- for example, I don't mm-hmm. know, not available or... Uh, And this is uh, for just, of course, this, you don't get information. This is just static information uh, or static data. But it, this could work automatically. Yeah? You don't mm-hmm. need an upcaster because Avro does it during the serialization and de- uh, deserialization that uh, Simon mentioned. Yeah. So you have writer schema, reader schema. You, you see, okay, I would be compatible, but this field is missing. But... Yeah, the new schema has an information, use this default element, and you're fine. So you don't have to, to care about static uh, updates. Mm-hmm. And so this is what we already have implemented. There's a working integration test uh, for it. And then there's this other con- uh, concept uh, Simon also, uh, also mentioned. Mm-hmm. You have writer schema, your reader schema. So the reader schema would be the class that you have on your class pass and need to somehow build. Right. And instead of just trying out if it fails or, or doesn't fail, uh, yeah, try catch I.O. exception or anything, um, you can say, Avo, please tell me how compatible are those uh, schema uh, definitions. Okay. And then you get uh, basically like a constraint violation list. So you, the, the machine tells you what is wrong. Okay. And... and um, not implemented so far, but our hope is that we can leverage this to, to have some dynamic, generic upcaster mm-hmm. that just inter- interprets the, uh, um, the uh, incompatibilities mm-hmm. you get from Avro. And then you, instead of registering revision one to revision two and revision two to revision three, at this field, at this field, you just say, in case the incompatibility is missing account ID. Uh-huh. For this case, I have a handler that knows how to deal with, to deal with missing account ID. Very so this cool. is, this is, this is uh, speaking uh, uh, of today, uh, science fiction, but hopefully uh, uh, close. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. cool. and, and, and then it turns, it would turn out at least that this is really besides data storage and schema definition, this could really uh, be a great benefit of, uh, of using AFO um, because, yeah, f- to some extent at least, you can get rid of this manual add element upcaster and, mm-hmm. and keep it on a more abstract, in case this is wrong, then please do uh, level. Do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. So is it available to use right now? This upper axon serializer. Of course, I, I thought you just wanted to 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 um, um, name me on this upcasting generic uh, dynamic uh, <laughs> upcasting. No, of course, of, of course, yes. Um, we have a, we have a strict uh, Simon. I have a strict policy: uh, uh, first build, uh, then then talk. So uh, <laughs> good. Be, before be, be, before we came to you and said we have something exciting, uh, we actually uh, built uh, those two libraries, and they are available on uh, GitHub. 
Mm-hmm. I think we have a link in the show note or something like this. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and we also uh, were brave enough to do a Maven Central release. So, uh, you, you, you can just um, use it and uh, start exploring. And I think you're planning on writing some articles about this as well, right? Or have you already? No, that's what uh, that was the initial plan to say. Okay, we how many articles do we need to write actually? <laughs> and then we started started the discussion to uh, actually to to structure all this. And then we came out like, uh, let's do the podcast first. This will <laughs> yeah. kind of clarify some stuff. And then having having answered that and having the structure, now we can we can go for it and go deeper and of course provide some code samples because yeah. you know. Sometimes it's it's easier, yeah. And we, in addition, we are uh, uh, especially for the serializer. We already created a kind of a documentation page mm-hmm. that explores some of these core concepts: that what is a registry, why we need this, why we okay. need that, what is the how how's the developer flow actually that you start with a schema, generate classes, right. you know, then. Yeah. Fantastic. And then I'll um, I'll uh, take that information from you guys and then I can just publish it um, when when this episode goes out. That way people can take a look at the documentation. Yeah. Let, yeah, me, yeah. let me maybe just just add one thing because we Go just for forget to talk about it. Um, yeah. We have uh, uh, actually Simon started implementing it. We have this um, eat your own dog food or, or do a recursive, <laughs> full recursive cycle uh, idea. <laughs> So we said, okay, the the the, the registry component actually is, is mm-hmm. quite simple. Right. Um, why do we need an additional additional registry when we already have the the uh, Axon framework and the Axon server? So what Simon started uh, building, what we discussed, we were discussing today, we want to use uh, Axon server event uh, storage as okay. the primary schema registry. Nice. And um, then, hopefully, or as a science fiction, um, provide an Axon server plugin that does this. Uh, so you can use your existing uh, high availability uh, EndNote uh, Axon server landscape mm-hmm. to have this uh, aspect as well. I really wanted to ask you that, but I didn't want to put you on the spot or like throw a new project yeah. as uh, as to, hey, are you going to do a plugin for Axon Server without you being prepared? But I'm so basically, glad you are doing it. Basically, funny, funny, funny story. <laughs> uh, uh, um, um, also like to mention, um, I said uh, that, of course, with this binary format, you lose this human readability aspect. Mm-hmm. Which was really, really, really funny because, oh, not funny, it was disappointing. I don't, when, when we started using the 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 axon uh, avro serializer um, and you use the axon server dashboard and you want to explore the events that are stored in the axon server mm-hmm. you don't get nice readable payload no. you cannot yep. search the payload is yep. anything it's just some ut utf8 uh, byte so the machine thinks that might be a string but actually it's just garbage and <laughs> for this for this, we actually, uh, with support from, from uh, Mark and um, Alat, uh, we built a plugin that links into the event stream sent from the server to the dashboard. And we use the uh, um, deserialization, mm-hmm. but not, of course, to, to a concrete class specific record because the Axon server doesn't know about uh, my uh, um, bank account created uh, yeah. dot class. Mm-hmm. But uh, we use the intermediate uh, format and then just uh, write to JSON. 
So you can okay. actually use the, the tool today, not science fiction. Um, <laughs> and if you look at it uh, from, the, from the server dashboard, you won't recognize that the internal storage is not even JSON because we intercept and uh, transform. This is really, uh, yeah. That's really neat. I didn't yeah, know sorry. about this. So <laughs> in, in order to use it, yeah, exactly. So there are two, two plugins, actually. So we uh, we wrote the, the deserializer itself, which, mm -hmm. which does this job. But again, as we mentioned, we always need the connection to the registry. So there is also a registry connector, which mm -hmm. says, okay, uh, so currently you say, okay, uh, I have, for example, a Picuri uh, installed somewhere. I need to configure Picuri in my application mm -hmm. as the registry. And of course, if I want to uh, look for events and uh, read them in the Axon server dashboard, I also install a small adapter there, which is actually the, servers, the server plugin for the Axon server, and then it's connected to the same registry, and then you can read them. Okay. So that's, that's the idea. And what, what Jan was speaking about is that the registry itself could get at one day as part of the plugin. So you mm -hmm. don't need an external registry if you yeah. have an Axon server. And this right. would be right. even less Easier. infrastructure components. For exactly, exactly. Yeah? Makes life easier. Fantastic. So, so to answer your question, what yeah. what's next? A lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We we are we are hooked, and we we plan on doing more. And and um, um, yeah, we would greatly. Uh, um, uh, so no, happy. We would be happy. So let me put it this way: uh, If uh, you now listen to this at home and you are curious and you try it out, please uh, contact us. Uh, we are really excited to to explore uh, real world uh, use cases and get this uh, out of the laboratory. Yeah, it's like the, the sky the is your limit because there's so much you can do with this, which is really really awesome, you guys. And of course, we're also planning uh, to to now we I mean now it's public. Now we already started this discussion with uh, Stephen and Alert to get uh, kind of official extension st status. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so we plan to do so uh, because, I mean, it's it's much more prominent on the Exonic side. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Really, really exciting okay. stuff. Thank yeah. you for all of your um, really amazing work. It's really exciting to to see that there's so much you can do. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, so many possibilities. And I'm really excited to go and play around with it, which is really neat. Awesome. Um, so, yeah. Share um, all of the information uh, with me. I will go ahead and uh, link the uh, documentation and also the uh, repositories if, if um, you'd like to share that. And uh, that way folks can go and uh, check it out and give you feedback. And hopefully, I'm sure there will be a lot of positive feedback, but um, also any other uh, suggestions that may have that you can use on your um, roadmap. Which is which is really cool. I know you probably have a long scroll of things that you want to, <laughs> to implement and work on, which is exciting. I know you guys are always uh, busy and coming up with really nice ideas. So I really appreciate you sharing this with me today. And I feel so special that you decided to to do it on a podcast before the articles went out, which is really awesome. So thank you. Really a pleasure to talk to you both. Pleasure to me as well. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you. I hope you have a fantastic rest of the day and uh, talk to you soon, hopefully. We will certainly Thank do. you. Thank Bye. you for having us. Of course. Bye -bye. Pleasure. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to my talk with Jan and Simon. 
please join me next time as I discover other fantastic topics. Until then, have a great time and happy coding!